This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Uh, you all ready? Yeah, go on. <clears throat> ready. Welcome back, everyone, to the final panel of MadCon 2022. It's been a nice long weekend. We've had five panels a day. Yeah, the mm. first one is kind of the 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 free-for-all uh, panel that... Yeah. May or may not be relevant to podcasts, and uh, I have a feeling the second one is, or this last one is going to be kind of similar. But we'll try to stay on topic and do a nice little yeah. recap of the weekend. So, how are you all feeling um, on this nice evening? Amazing! This has been a really, really good experience. I think it's always good to hear, uh, yeah, differences of like opinion on things, and it's been a really interesting, like, yeah, so many different perspectives about things that I. Oh, shit. I haven't like thought about before or things I have thought about, but from a different like angle, which is like, it's, it's never not good to have that. Like it's always good to just get something else. So I've, I've been, I've been, I'm definitely better off for this, um, this, this convention. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sock, how was, how has your weekend been? Uh, my weekend has been lovely. There's been a lot of weird stuff going on in my real life, but for this, I am very happy to be proud of it. A weird stuff like you right, got folded and put into it. the wrong drawer. Did that happen? Was that like mm-hmm. weird, uh, weird as in there was someone burning something and it is like wildfire season. So just like Fuck. smelling, smelling smoke for like yeah. eight straight hours of just like, where the fuck is that coming from? Uh, yeah. Is, you know. Now, what is the composition of your sock? Are you polyester? Are you 100% wool uh, cloth? It's so nice. what I've what said, I've, I've, I've changed this every time. Uh, so uh, as of le- as of currently, let's say that I am forty uh, percent polyester, sixty percent cotton. Okay, as about that. So still pretty flammable. So you're definitely worried about the still fires. Still pretty flammable. Gotcha. Well, yeah, yeah. We're we're glad that you're not uh, engulfed in flames currently. Um, yeah, that would be unfortunate. That would not be good. Uh, I I, I think for anyone. <laughs> This weekend's been really interesting because I think we got some perspectives we're not used to hearing, mainly from Mm. some people who have been in this industry since before they were known as uh, audio dramas and audio fiction. Um, You know, they were talking about the early age of audio dramas as we know it from like 2005 or six. But before that, they take a lot of different Mm -hmm. forms. Um, Jeff himself was very much associated with uh, stage plays and theater and things like that, but also really liked radio plays. Um, hearing mm. from him talking about uh, the the original Dungeons & Dragons, you know, first edition when it came out, and um, mm. how the way players have, at least from his experience, obviously it's quite anecdotal because we didn't have access to everyone's experience playing Dungeons & Dragons and, yeah. and, and during that time, but um how that's really changed and more people are RPing and therefore like we have these more elaborate stories being told and mm. the in um 
actual plays and and then hearing from i wish we got to hear more from jack uh ward this weekend mm. who is with audio um uh, mutual audio network and the sonic society uh who so graciously asked us to um help them run this uh this year and we were very uh very honored to be able to host it you know it's the only audio drama focused convention that we know of um so it's really cool but he's been he grew up on radio plays and things like this you know what what pioneered what we know as mm. audio dramas and then larry um groby um is does uh, kind of live audio plays um on 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 project audion with uh live foley while they're performing in a big zoom call mm. and recording in one take if, if possible of course you know some people's computers crash or whatever the case may be there's sometimes those hiccups but they try to keep it really yeah. authentic and it's just it is interesting to 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 kind of see it from a different generation because um mm. i feel like we often don't think that we think of a lot of, like this very millennial like and uh yeah. zoomer kind of industry you know most of the creators in fasting nonsense are in their mid to younger 30s or younger um mm. so w- w- what were some very kind of interesting things you learned this weekend kai um I think I see. I had I had all these notes, and I seem to have misplaced them. I think I think the that first one was really good. Just talking about, I, I mean, I kind of said at the beginning, but just like hearing other other perspectives, especially from someone. I think one of them said like, been doing audio fiction, audio drama since two thousand eight, so since I was like six years old, which is just fucking mind blowing to me. Like that it has been going so long, and I, I thought that I had thought that. I think it's it's definitely easy to think i mean like yeah i mean you basically said this but just it's easy to think that like because there's been this research or this this surge in popularity with audio drama um that it is such a new thing and i think i've always thought about it as such a new thing but it's kind of it's kind of not and i think it's 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 important to remember the sort of precursors in that sort of um in that sense especially i mean you know even even looking at radio drama which is is definitely different and has different styles but like it's all it's all the sort of um genealogy of this medium and i think um I think yeah, it's definitely made me more open to that, and I think yeah, I think overall just generally like I don't know. I think I, I'll, I'll have to like. I mean, we're, this is obviously the last thing, but like I think I'll have to. It will it will come to me more as I do more audio drama. What I've actually learned from this because mm-hmm. I think it's hard to know how much influence anything. I think I do, there will be something that I have like picked up that maybe subconsciously I can't like that I can't say, but at some point I think has has changed the way that I will approach things. So I think. I think just like making me a more well-rounded artist and especially in this medium as well. I think, I don't know. I'm glad to have just spoken to other people doing it. And I think that's, that's like the big thing for me is just like hearing people that do the same thing as me. I think the community is really important just generally. So I think that to do so, yeah, I think that's my main thing, which is kind of a non-answer, but yeah, I think that's my like, you know, no, and, and I, th- what I feel, I, I, I'll probably come back to you in just a moment to talk about, um, mm. you've already kind of mentioned some changes that you, plan on considering or some some of these items you plan yeah. on considering and i'd like to touch on that in a bit more in just a, mm. a, a bit um today was about breaking through barriers and um and so sock was with us this morning during the opening discussion and throughout the day we had teamwork at a distance um non-english language podcast and access and gate accessing and gatekeeping um I want to hear from from you, Sock. Um, you actually do a little bit of teamwork at a distance because you've done some 
um, if you're comfortable talking about it, your collaborations with other uh, virtual tubers, VTubers. Um, I'd like to hear about yeah. some of your experience with that and um, what that's been mm. like. Uh, <laughs> so it's been kind of funny and very interesting because turns out uh, a lot of people that use this kind of medium to hide their face and... Turns out they've got a lot of social anxiety, so a, a vast majority of the cases uh, when it comes to getting interactions and actually, like, talking with them and really reaching out, it has just been like, hey, do you want to do a thing? And mostly they're going to say yes, but it's it's been cool. Uh, it's kind of funny to be part of this community that is almost exclusively uh just people with social anxiety including myself so like yeah it's collaborating has been pretty much just like throw out a date and like want to do this thing and then just everyone jumping on it mm. uh, but that's yeah that's pretty cool then i mean you've had yeah, I, I remember it's you were you were telling obviously easier than expected, but and also yeah. like weirder. <laughs> uh, weirder it... how? Uh, just like dealing with adults, people you tend to expect it to be like, all right, I'm gonna have to put in this much effort, and then it's just like literally like you throw out a fishing line, and then the fish searches like jumping onto your boat. That's the best I kind see. of equivalent that I can make. Right, okay. I'm just like, yeah. oh, huh. <laughs> Um, I expected to work more for this. <laughs> this is kind of a bit what we we had mentioned um, in that last panel with and the accessing gatekeeping is um, depending on kind of the industry and the the kind of sphere you hang around. The collaboration is often not very common because people don't want to share their audience because they're afraid of losing an audience. Um, and there mm. are many spheres where that's not always true. Um, uh, speaking specifically of accessing and gatekeeping, um, from my understanding, the actual technical side of um, becoming a VTuber takes a bit of animation and a little bit of a technical knowledge. But when it comes to actually um, being able to do this, um, is it pretty accessible for the other day person or are there some... Um, are there some barriers to entry that maybe people aren't considering or makes it a little hard for others? So it's kind of, it's a mix of both things. So there's actually like a very low barrier to entry. If you wanted to just like do this, like just want to do something to want to show your face. Uh, VTube studio, which is the program that I use has quite a few options. Like, I can switch immediately. Ta-da! I'm a dog in <laughs> a bucket. There we go. Like that's, that's so good. There's there's actually like a, a VTuber that I'm familiar with that her her avatar is this, but like in a bucket rather than like the, the bowl. So <laughs> or I can be like default cat. Ta-da! <laughs> like it's it's still that's got like well. the tracking and everything, but yeah. You know, the. If you want it to be something kind of your own. Whoops. So long. You didn't see that. Long. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see that. But if you want to be kind of something more like 
your own, more specialized, more individual, uh, that's going to take a lot more work. That's going to take, like, time coming up with a concept. That's going to take time actually, like, getting it created and cut out. Uh, that's going to take time to, like, rig and prepare. But to actually, like, just start, it's much like with a lot of other kind of streaming and, like, entertainment. The barrier to entry is fairly low but it has a mm. very very high ceiling right i mean the bare okay. minimum to stream you need a decent computer that can handle it and a lot of times it's almost more important that you have the right internet than mm. you have the right um hardware you can have pretty mid hardware but if your upload speeds are garbage then you'll it's going to be hard for you to consistently mm. be present on twitch and have decent quality that people can enjoy you uh, yeah, and Sock knows this. I I did streaming for a long time too. This is all like mm -hmm. a, a you know, these barriers mm -hmm. are something I had to face, and I've always had a good system. But sometimes your shitty Spectrum internet gives out on you, and um and just doesn't mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It, so in terms of actual like we because we were talking about like the the barrier of entry of hardware into audio drama, um was pretty low. You know we talked about how you can get a focus right. Uh, 2i2 or a Focusrite solo paired with an Audio Technica 2020 microphone and get a decent XLR entry um, um, mm. entry level setup for on a good day probably like 120 to 180 dollars in between yeah. that yeah and that's compared to other industries is a lot if you wanted you know I mentioned specifically 3D modeling uh, 2D artists like with 2D artists you need an iPad at the at bare minimum sometimes you need a computer and a drawing tablet mm. that's that's expensive mm -hmm. uh, an iPad alone is going to run you you know 200 300 dollars yeah, um... and uh, 3D modeling you need a good computer that can handle it because it's a lot of processing and graphic power and um it's beautiful that we can enter these zones and have a relatively low that that low barrier of entry um on the gatekeeping side of things we talked about how audio dramas are a space to tell pretty much any story you want and there really is not a ton of gatekeeping when it comes to um people and how they identify and how they look and how they sound mm. um we did kind of touch on it from what Aaron said with like how you sound and your accent yeah. often plays a big role into how you are casted. But as a creator, you kind of have the liberty to do whatever you want. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. How... Which I, I'd have thought, which maybe it's just ignorant of me to have thought that, but I'd have thought that this space was better than that to, to sort of restrict what kind of accents you want to hear in something. Like to say, I just want you know North American, British kind of. I, I I had I had thought that it was more, I don't know, more progressive than that. So I guess yeah, this is sort of a bit of a, a, a not a shock because it's like I I I know that is how it is most of the time. I just thought audio drama was like different in that. Yeah, I mean it's it's like yeah, it was very interesting, very eye opening. I, I think a part of that too is that as, as audio drama gets bigger and more corporate there's going to be mm. a lot more like yeah. we need an audience that's going to be comfortable with what's on here and having a yeah. foreign language might or a foreign accent may not do as well you know there is this kind of steadily approaching corporate 
um, look at things. We've already seen where some audio dramas are beginning to be turned into uh, Netflix. Um, I've, I saw there's one, I cannot remember it, but they literally turned an audio drama into a Netflix adaptation that obviously. Archive 81? It was Archive 81. And so I. And a, decent, a decent show as well, I felt. Uh, uh, so the yeah. actual audio drama side of it you thought was pretty good? The, the audio drama and then also the show that they made out of it was was quite good. Oh, so um, the, so the show was was pretty decent. That's that's good to hear. Yeah. I I saw I, some I things it. on um like r slash audio drama, which you know the redditors. You have to take everything the redditors say <laughs> with a grain of salt as yeah. a redditor. Um, but you know the, it's, the, the yeah. I, I think there's space that there's going to be spaces that you're going to have some gatekeeping, and unfortunately, any growing industry is going to have more and mm. more gatekeeping. Um, yeah. For VTubing, it, we've mentioned, you and I in private have talked a lot about how um, it is a place, and you touch on it a little bit, is a place for people to kind of put on the persona that they want and want to show off. Do, are there issues, any kind of issues in gatekeeping? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you would like but, to, please um, share. So, oh, God. It, so... The first thing is the VTubing community is not really a community. It is just like, you know, the streaming community. It is mm. a bunch of different people that kind of share this one hobby more so than they're a bunch of people that really like share anything in common. So mm. you'll get people that like, I only want to watch this kind of VTuber and it's a anime girl with tits the size of her head uh or i only want to watch these kinds of vtubers and they're like all like non-humanoid weird like animals mm. or like something like that and then there's the whole thing of like so i'm a fully animated model there's some people that like want to see only 2d models there's some people that only want to see like 3d models there's some that like do or don't like the uh they're referred to as png tubers or gif tubers where it's basically like a static image with like a couple frames of animation for mm. the the actual motion rather than like any sort of tracking gotcha so there's there's a there's a wide kind of variety uh and everyone kind of has their own opinion about how to do it but fundamentally because the bar to entry is so low uh really all you need is like a decent streaming setup and a webcam mm. or like not even that just something to really track your model so it's not really inherently yeah. more um difficult to enter the vtubing scene than being a youtuber um i mm. or sorry you can't see being, it, but i'm shaking my head uh, uh sorry not, not not being a youtuber <laughs> being someone on twitch i know a lot of um I'm more familiar with other communities on Twitch and a lot of time it is based on uh, revolves around the game or games types of games um, they played like, you know, it's like, Oh, there's league of legends people and they like specific league of legends streamers. And there is gatekeeping within that community. Um, and that's all kind of joined in by one central idea or one central focus on a game or type of games, first person shooters, your battle royale kind of people. But even those still kind of are more boiled down to like, Fortnite versus Apex Legends mm. versus you know, whatever yeah. the case may be. Um, so it's interesting that there's like, it's yeah. not a focus on what the VTubers do as much as how the VTubers are. And I'm sure part of it 
plays into what they're actually doing yeah. on stream. It's it's there's an even give and take, but mostly like it's a medium more than it is an actual like kind of collective, if that makes any sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I I think it's a bit more um, adjacent to variety streamers and why people like certain variety streamers then yes it's it's very personality based yeah absolutely so thank you that's much more aptly put um and i i tend to enjoy more variety type streamers as well because i'm i'm watching them more for their uh, the only exception to that is magic the gathering because that's a very competitive skill-based games and there are players i particularly like um but mm. even still i'm usually more focused on who that person is and why i like them but I do like more variety streamers, I think, than I do like specifically World of Warcraft guys. Like, I'd rather watch a variety streamer I really like play World of Warcraft than a really good World of Warcraft player play World of Warcraft, yeah. you know? Yeah. So the the way that I heard it break and broken down for, uh, for streaming, just kind of in general as a rule, uh, people are there for one of, I believe, four things. They're there for your personality and, like, the kind of who it is that is at the helm. They are there to see an impressive display of skill, so how good you are at the game. They are there to see the actual game itself. Or, and this one's kind of a little bit of a a mix, they're there to kind of uh, see how bad the person is at the game. That is definitely a unique thing. There's one specific YouTuber slash Twitch streamer that's so notoriously bad at games that that's his whole shtick. But they end up being really laughing at them for being shit, or is it like hate watching? Or is it like Uh, kind of, oh, look how crap they are kind of thing? Kind of a little bit of both. Sometimes it's just like there to like kind of schadenfreude watch someone. Right, okay. Huh. It's like watching Aaron mm-hmm. Hansen from Game Grumps play games. It's like you watch him play Dark Souls mm. and you're like, how is this the one? How are Souls-like games the one type of game you are good at? And then just basic fucking platformers or anything else, <laughs> you don't read instructions and you suck. But yeah. you're still watching. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can almost guarantee with, like, without a doubt that the Game Grumps episodes that tend to get like the most viewership are the ones where one of them absolutely fucking loses it yes and just i can yeah that makes sense to me something interesting yeah. that I, I i noticed when i was starting to work uh with um a lot of the rusty quote guys um you know ben meredith and uh tim and johnny sims with magnus archives is that their communities are very and, and they could be a big anomaly in this but um, the Rusty Quill fandom is much more focused on the people than the product. Obviously, mm. they came to love the people because they love their product, right? You know, I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, people love Johnny Sims because of what Johnny Sims did with Magnus Archives, and also because Johnny Sims is a fantastic human being. Um, yeah. It, it's it's really nice. So us inherently working with them, we I mean, we wouldn't have had the success on Supersuits. Um, uh, with crowdfunding, if we didn't have the the voracious, hungry fan base that is the Rusty mm. Quill people, Rusty Quill Gaming, 
uh, Madness Archives fans, Stella Firma fans, like they are, the, they are the super fans that you want because they're not yeah. gatekeepy. They they are happy to support you. Um, and and I remember one of the nicest Twitter replies we ever got was, uh, "Fasty nonsense is so." It reminds me so much of the. Um, Obviously, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, the morals and values that Fasting Nonsense has it is so similar to what we see in Rusty Quill that this feels like a, a second home for us. Um, that's was, so sweet, and it was yeah, it was really nice, and that's high praise because mm. I mean, shit, Fasting Nonsense was started with a lot of inspiration from Rusty Quill. I mean, Jackie was a huge, yeah. huge yeah. Madness Archive fan. Um, also, Welcome to the Night Vale is a bit of, a big inspiration for 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 Jackie as well. So, mm. I think it's it's it. The thing is, I can almost guarantee that a vast majority of those fans did not start out that way. Like mm-hmm. they mm. they came for one thing and then kind of explored beyond those bounds, and that's that's what you want. But to actually like get the audience and get that traction, it typically is one of those four things that mm-hmm. i had mentioned yeah and yeah that's really cool uh it, it's very interesting to see those kind of parallels in the communities um absolutely I think, I think it's fandoms fans can be tricky um and it really is i mm-hmm. think industry dependent but i think because vtubing and like audio drama have kind of very they're a very similar outlet for a lot of people they're this like very creative um um fun way of expressing yourselves and 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 like Absolutely. if i want to be this i can be this or oh, this is kind of the same mentality of if i want i can make this because i want to make this and no one can tell me no yeah that yeah like, personalized rebellion just... against the norm yeah mm-hmm. It's, it's why I think art is amazing. <laughs> it's, it's just like you, you, you just, it's like self expression. And like, even if, I don't know, maybe again, I, I, I sort of, I'm going back and forth on like whether this, I think, is just about it in general or this is just what I get out of it. But just being able to create is like the first thing for me. And then it's secondary is whether people listen or not. I think as long as I can make a really good show that I myself would be impressed by had I not made it, I think. And I think that's like, I don't know. I just think it's great. I think it's, I don't know. I'm, I sometimes get a little bit overwhelmed by how much I like this medium because I think it's just so, I don't know. You just want to make a thing and there's so little, comparatively at least, in the way of you doing that. And I just, I don't know. It's amazing. It's just so good. And it's such a simple way to kind of get a story out. And I think that's a good way to start. But I think then from there, just based on the qualities of the medium, making it, in a way that it could only be audio drama. I think that's how I have like done it. Is that I started it just because I liked podcasts and I liked um, and I wanted to make a sci-fi sort of fantasy esque sort of thing. And then recently I've kind of gone okay, but then how can I make it so this could not be anything else? I think I've done that, and I think I'm continuing to do that and making it in a way that's like I can maybe see it animated, maybe, but I think it just I'm I feel like Chain of Being is audio do you know what i mean like i feel like audio is is a part of its like dna mm-hmm. um and i want to make that more so but yeah that's 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 the kind of thing for me i am also tired and a little bit drunk so <laughs> hopefully that made sense <laughs> but <laughs> it's all good. It, i yeah. think 
completely kind of wandered, but we got there in the end. I think yeah, there we go. what you said of like what you get out of the medium as well as like what mm. the medium actually is. I think both are kind of true. Yeah. Uh, in equal measure, like this is this is what you get and this is what you like about it, but also like this is what it does and this is what it means to people beyond yeah. just yourself. So Definitely. pretty cool. Um. I, I do want to circle back then to um, kind of what I was looking to bring attention to earlier. You said you've, there are some, some items and panels that have kind of made you um, kind of reevaluate kind of how you want to handle season two. And I know nothing's set in stone mm. yet, but um, if you would like, yeah. it would be nice to hear your uh, kind of reflection yeah. on that. Um, I think, I think, uh, Definitely, this was an idea I had been floating around and was was relatively solid in, like, accents and having as many different accents as possible. Um, But I think that conversation of, like, that people actively discourage different accents in their casting, I think, has kind of spurred me on a bit to just make that a a, a proper solid part of the next uh, season. And I think I would like as many accents that aren't... um, Like, as many characters that speak in a sort of North American sort of standard british standard i want there to be a regional accent or i want there to be an accent from a different country or something because i feel like that i mean there's also like the element of like voice like the sort of vocal qualities of individuals but i feel like i want that variety and i want that to be like a, a, a sure thing that that's going to happen because i feel like it will make it more interesting just to listen to and, and more varied in that way but also just just because yeah i think even just at a base level the aesthetic quality of a variety of voices i think is really important now um I think what else? I I not necessarily related to chain of being, but also I've I kind of talk. I always say like you could just make an audio drama with a you know with the microphone on your phone, laptop, audacity, free sound. And I say that a lot, but I think I I might try and do that myself. I might I might make it a um a show off, but just produce something to the best of my ability with just my phone and audacity and free sound, and only use free things just to because to prove to myself that it can be done. Because I've said it, but I've not actually done it. Because I did start with a blue snowball, and I did spend money on that kind of thing, and I wanna, I wanna, and I, I did, so I made the jump to audition quite quickly. So I'm gonna try and do that. I think is one of my big takeaways. Um, really cool. What else? Yeah, I think that's oh, and uh, collaboration with more people. I'm gonna send off my scripts to more people, whoever will have it, um, and I will, I will probably um, get opinions on like editing stuff like in terms of like final edits and maybe send off drafts to people. Cause I used to do that right at the beginning when the sh- episodes were shorter. And then I did my like 30 to 40 minute episodes and no one really had the time to listen through. But I feel like now I've got a community of audio people that, you know, so I'll try and get someone to listen to it before I start doing stuff. Cause I do, I don't want to be the prequels. I don't want season two to be the, the Star Wars prequels. I want it <laughs> to be like, <laughs> I want someone to tell me no, if it's shit, do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to be sort of, yeah. in it's sort of going in circles and, and uh, what's the word? Like, yeah, I want it to. I want it to be good. <laughs> so I think that's those. Those are my main takeaways from this. Um, that I'm going to try and sort of. It's awesome. Move forward with. I think that's a yeah. testament to like kind of what we're trying to do with MadCon is like really inspire mm. and get some other points of view to consider when you're making your art because, um, you know maybe you have you habitually make something in a way that like oh I could do this and I think that might just make it a better product or I want to try to have better representation of X Y Z. Mm in this because it's something simple i can do and i think it'll really enhance the experience and maybe can it really means something uh for someone um a um 
on the topic of like languages and um mm. and accents and things like that something i i, I do kind of notice is um I, I feel like in the like twitch and youtube communities like those that have accents or maybe speak a different native language are i i can imagine there is some kind of internal battle of like do i i know how to speak english do i speak do i stream in english or do i stream in my native language because mm-hmm. um uh, and, and talking to aline she made she makes her uh high fantasy um um audio drama in english instead of um in, instead of i thought i was saying it wrong if for some reason flemish did not sound correct to me and that is indeed the language um um, she makes her audio dramas in English instead of Flemish because there isn't the uh, quantity, there isn't the desire, yeah. quantity of people to listen to it or like a want for it regionally. Um, and David also created both in English and Spanish just so it could have a wider audience. And I think that's something we often see in entertainment as well. Um, indie entertainment like um, YouTube and Twitch. Um, is that a lot of streamers probably don't want to stream in their native language so that they could try to get the English crowd. But I feel like that's often stigmatized uh, by a majority of Twitch. What, what, what do you think about that, Zoc? Uh, no, that's, that's kind of absolutely a thing. It's also kind of funny because... Uh, so Twitch metrics are weird to say the least so the vast majority of twitch viewership comes from the east coast however what it's neglecting to mention is that it's about a 50 50 split between english speakers and portuguese speakers on the east coast on the east coast of the united uh, states not of the united states oh, okay because a vast majority of that viewership is coming from Brazil. Okay, that makes sense. I was like, I've been really it's the weird. Same time zone, which is the part that makes it very funny. Wild, right? Yeah. Oh shit! At least partially the same time zone. <laughs> yeah, Brazil is very large as well. <laughs> yeah, is enormous. But uh, it's it's just kind of one of those funny things of like, yeah, when it comes to kind of targeting your audience and. Language is a big factor, but mm. at the same time, just because you're kind of doing something and like changing yourself for that does not necessarily guarantee you an audience. It's it's one of those, you know, art trouble things where you're only really going to hear about like the top maybe 10% at mm. best, and everyone else is kind of just like, for scraps mm-hmm. yeah uh there there is this misconception that like oh i can make content and make a lot of money especially with twitch and youtube um it is a very small group of people that are actually making money like you you hear about your your big big twitch people your your pokemains and your 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 shroud and xqc's and these people and the, the, right. they are the point zero one they are yeah. the, the it is worse than the one percent that we think of in like the u.s economy or in global um mm. uh geopolitical and uh economic uh in a way it is like it is even more distilled than that it is 
yeah at 0.01 percent of people actually make up probably 95 percent of the um all the money on twitch i mean it's it is a very small few um mm, absolutely yeah it's 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 pretty bad like my brother's like oh i should stream call of duty and stuff i watch shroud and he makes some money i'm like jj no <laughs> don't no. you're already setting yourself up for failure um <laughs> i do wonder though like with with uh multi uh bilingual or multilingual um content creators like if that that decision of like native language or english stood in their way like how much more successful they would have they would they have been within a small community of their native language than if they um, switched to English and then had like no chance, right? Because the amount of people that stream in English is right. very, very large. Yeah, it's it is a lot. Um, so would they have? So if you are a German, um, if you are a German CS:GO player, are you better off streaming in German to? to gather a german audience because you're you're more entertaining in german you're mm. you're funnier you have you have better you know grasp of comedy in german um than you would in english yeah. therefore you have a better chance with a you know maybe a a 50th of the amount of viewers that you could yeah. possibly grab i i think I, that's it's kind of made me think about that like are you really missing out mm. by by not doing it in english exactly like it's so it's it's a fine line i would say between accessibility and kind of uh pie-eyed uh boot for the moon long odds because like demographics are a thing mm. and like you can play to a smaller demographic and be more successful especially like if it's something that you're more comfortable doing that's probably the best way to do it especially when streaming is very much personality based mm -hmm. especially vtubing as has been stated before but if it's like an accessibility thing like on all of my streams i try to put up uh barring collaborations because it would be impossible to do uh but i try and put up captions little closed captions mm. uh they're not always accurate but if it means that someone that's a little bit more hard of hearing has mm. an easier time sort of being comfortable and being on my stream then i've done my job mm. it is it's our job to be the entertainers and part of that is to be well entertaining and also hit the people that you're trying to hit like you want them to be comfortable enough to be there yeah. and come back um kind of related uh to that with kind of finding your demographic there there's something that john um john from gather the suspects during um our organic marketing for podcasts panel yesterday uh he went into the specifics of why it's important to really understand who you're like trying to market to um absolutely because you know there's you know, there's casting the wide net and hope you catch something 
but you're always going to be better off like really trying to understand what you're going for and targeting them specifically. And and he was much more talking the technical side of like advertising and keywords and like Google searches, the SEO side of things. They're, they're kind of really boring kind of shit. Super important, mm-hmm. but it's it's not it's not fun to study that, but it can be extremely yeah. helpful. Um, Absolutely. And I was like, you SEO know, is crucial. Yeah. Using the right tags is essential, but like to kind of like extend on that metaphor, you can cast as wide a net as you want, but if you're throwing out your net in the wrong spot of the ocean where there's no fish, you're not going to catch yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. It's you got to do a little bit of both. And that's the hardest part about being a streamer a lot mm-hmm. of the time is you do have to do everything you're responsible for. Uh, community management you're responsible for social media you're responsible for like actually doing the streaming you're responsible for like setting up your seo etc barring like very very few like high-end like corporate streamers but even those are like very few in number mm-hmm. most people do not have their man like a manager you have to do all of it right. and i'd say that's also very true for like a lot vast majority of like audio or like any honestly i'll say just like any artistic kind of endeavor any kind of indie entertainment yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. i i think um a lot of what i've learned obviously i've learned a lot from the creator side of thing that you know i'm i'm not a creator i i i don't make a podcast i don't not yet (laughs) um i don't make a (laughs) podcast i don't run a show but what my responsibilities do entail is helping shows be successful in that way. And I think um, some of the biggest takeaways I've had that I think it will really help me be better at my job um, came from the second day with like audience growth and things like that. Obviously uh, I, I, as a player and a TTRPG fan, learned a lot from improv and actual play um, and, and, and kind of hearing the backside of, like, scripted audio plays and things like that was very interesting, but not really pertinent to, like, what I do. Mm. But with talking to John about kind of more specifically um, how to build your site in a way to set yourself up for failure, I'm sorry, for success, uh, not for failure, um, how to yeah. intentionally make yourself fail. Uh, <laughs> That'd be a really good pile to do. Yeah, that would yeah. be stupid awful you, at your job. <laughs> you could do that. It's... John, I heard what you say. I'm going to do the opposite and see how that works for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but <laughs> having having John kind of explain a bit more of that kind of thing makes me really kind of excited to um, going into this next uh, work week is looking at each one of our shows, understanding a bit better what someone who is looking for would type to get there, what what, what kind of communities they hang out with. And, mm. and definitely in the new listeners into podcasts um, panel, we talked a bit about where I think combining the, the keywords and the marketing that John was talking about and then using that to kind of infiltrate these other fandoms who might like your stuff, right? You've got your Venn diagram of people, but let's say super suits. You have a diagram of people that like audio dramas. You have a diagram of people that like, um, audio, uh, sorry, superheroes, uh, comic books, and then like, uh, audio dramas. And in that you may have some overlap where people will be very interested in what super suits is. 
um, how do I properly infiltrate that? And I think John has prepared me for that question a lot better than um, it left me better equipped than I was before MadCon started. Um, and so that's what I'm really, really excited for. We talked a lot about like non-podcast content, and I definitely am very excited to work with uh, Kai. You and I have already kind mm. of started talking about some ideas for setting yeah. you up to be able to make your own non-podcast content in a very quick and efficient way. Um, because it does come down to you're already busy making your show. You're already busy doing this work and trying to create a product. What do you do? Do you have extra time? Do you spend the extra time when you're not working on mm. that to do something else with your audience? Um, this has been a real, it's been a really, really awesome mm. set of panels um, to kind of help me answer those questions and, and be better at my job and therefore be help all of you um, um, in the network be more set up for success um, and take some of that sh strain off of you guys. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've helped yeah. make you discovery ready, like by kind of helping with the, um, the uh, marketing side of things like branding and things like that. But mm. um, now that that's done, actually getting you discovered is my next big goal. And, yeah i i, I feel it's much exciting. better about that part <laughs> yeah because it's uh it's an exciting kind of territory to start uh entering really mm -hmm. to be cool and, and also then like the better i'm equipped to do that like i can't ha ask john to teach you all how to do that that that's my job you know me learning from john yeah. will then help me spread that information to mm. you and um and to all the other people we have in in fasting nonsense and um yeah i'm really i'm really excited for that and i hope I hope I'm able to apply what I've learned in a very productive way. Um, mm. cause that is the weakest side. I'm, I'm primarily a graphic designer. Um, yeah. Marketing is something I've just learned along the way and I still have so much to learn. It's great to do it in this way though, in just like in, in actually doing it and trying, I think it's like one of the, one of the best ways to learn. So I think it's, um, you know, I mean in, in, in like, five to 10 years, you'll absolutely be able to say like, you know, these are the early days and here's what I've learned over time. And I think I'll be able to say the same about doing sound. I'm sure I'll look back at what I'm doing now and go like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like that kind of thing. Like realize how, you know, I think that's, that's also exciting is that you know that you're going to get better. Um, that's just, yeah, it's just, what's great about being human. It's just developing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Sick. Yeah. I really as hope long as in five to 10 years. With... <laughs> so sorry, go on, buddy. As long as you're not satisfied with where you are now and you're just constantly striving for that improvement, I think you're on a good yeah, path. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely important to, like, take the dubs and, uh, and, and recognize, like, the accomplishments you've had. Um, because yeah. I, I, I feel like when you only focus on, like, this is trash, I need to be better, like, it gets really <laughs> negative really uh, quick. I'm uh, not saying that. I'm saying, like, appreciate <laughs> the moments, appreciate the successes, but mm -hmm. don't be satisfied yeah. with every with where you're at right right you know i definitely yeah it's Keep definitely working. a balance to achieve right yes but i know i often like i personally often don't and i only focus on things i'm not good at and i know mm -hmm. i just personally need to be better at that and that's something i have to remind myself of um mm -hmm. and that's why i wanted to clarify for anyone who maybe also feels that way is like it's okay if you are not the yeah. best at something right now you have progress you are making you have those those dub idolos you know duh 
<laughs> yeah. I, that's going to be stuck in my head rent-free for like a week now. It's been like six yeah. months since we've mentioned Dub Idolo. Maybe yeah, longer. That's an old one. Yeah. Still don't know what it means. I love those memes with such an incredible intensity. I think they're the best fucking thing in the world. I love that guy. He's so good. His face is just fucking excellent. Uh, in awe of the size of the dub. <laughs> in all Let's take a break because of how big this dub was. Bro, Ring a ding ding, your dub's on the phone. <laughs> They're all so good. Uh, let, let's take a I moment. Use that as an excuse to talk to Kai the first time, just like off network. I'm just like send those fucking memes. Oh, they're so good. My, my, my favorite <laughs> moments between us three in particular is Sok will send me something. I'll be like, oh my god, you have to send this to Kai. And you already have, or vice yeah. versa. And then <laughs> yeah. there's been times where you just screen cap both of them. And it's it's like, it's it's like, like Kai and I me. share one brain cell uh, because we're so easily entertained. We're the same like dumb shit. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Like that fucking gorillas thing where it was all his voice. Like the, you did the entire like Demon Days album with oh just my. like him, like acapella. He's that done full. So he's done good. so many albums as well. That guy. He did like fucking an Interpol album that um, my girlfriend was obsessed with, uh, and like she was just so happy that he'd done that. Fucking I, like the the work ethic akin to Viper. I think we should all be so lucky to be as good as Viper to produce forty million fucking albums since like two thousand and eight or something. Jesus Shout out Viper. Viper, my favorite, um, my favorite thing Viper's ever done is "Yule Cowards Ain't Even Smoke." Crack. It's the classic. It's the classic. It's it's the you. It's untouchable. Like <laughs> I really like. I really like "Fuck Earth." I'm a wager interstellar war. It's one of my favorite <laughs> album titles. This dude releases an album like every other week. It's so insane. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I actually like. I unironically Did enjoy in the studio. Um, what the hell? What's yeah, that? I know. I don't even. It, I. It's I unironically enjoy Your sure. Cowards. Your yeah, Cow- I think yeah. it is. It's, it's a banger album, it's, man. It's a, it's fuck yeah. It's been a while since I've listened to it. Several years now. I don't know mm-hmm. how this is related to podcast. Let's, let's anyway. <laughs> let's try to circle back and um, if I can get Viper to guest either as a voice or guest yo. score, fucking on Chain of Being, I'll be so fucking happy. Guest scoring Jeez. Chain of Being, oh Viper. Oh, I bet if you asked, probably would. Yeah. Just like yeah, will you do a voice? Yeah, I just shit this out last week. Here you go. <laughs> like, It'd be so good. There you go. And it's just like the, the best fucking thing you ever heard. And it's like, yes, this is what I want. Yes, please. I really want to try Jackie's experiment with... Um, so, so Jackie's um, experiment with The Gorgon Show is it gives excuse to try to bring people from outside podcasting into mm. the podcast world. Uh, we just had our first example. That was Shauna McGuire. Uh, she came on as herself uh, on the Gorgon show. You know, it was a show full of monsters and cryptids and, and things. She came on as human, Sean and McGuire, human question mark. And um, I, I would love to find more ways of bringing in um, people from outside of podcasting into audio dramas. And mm-hmm. I think that would be a good way to shed some light on audio dramas, you know? Yeah, definitely. Because there's a lot of people that haven't heard of audio fiction, things like that. You know, we had a whole panel about that of new listeners into podcasts. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, getting other fandoms, getting other um, bigger people to be involved, I think would be really, really 
a really strong way to do so. But unfortunately, getting bigger people involved often means they want to get paid for the compensation. So that can be uh, yeah. an investment of sorts into that, into a... Well, I mean, it's an investment into a relationship. Yeah, yeah. but it, it, that doesn't mean that their, their fans are going to come over and enjoy what you do. It's possible they yes. don't, you know. Mm. But that's any investment. Deal. Yes. Very yes. Uh, let's take the moment to celebrate the dubs we've had since we started our... Um, kind of started of our, our creative... Oh, there goes Kai. <laughs> well, let's start with you then, Sock. Um, what are some dubs you've had since you've premiered um, as Sock Dudums? Well, I mean, I actually got a Twitch check. That was pretty cool. Nice. Ooh, I- like that's 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 not something everyone can really yeah. say they've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got one over on Jeff Bezos, but yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> but no, I've, I'm like I'm pretty content with where I'm at. I've I'm steadily growing. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and I think that is a success in and of itself. That do be a dub though. It do be a dub. And and I know, I know you never envisioned like wanting like I know for yourself you do not want a big you don't want to be a hundreds if not thousands of viewer streamer that there's a lot of pressure that comes with that it yeah it obviously has its benefits right because you can you can make a good living you can have uh, be a positive influence on the community but that doesn't always have to be on a macro scale you can do that and you can touch lives and and make a difference. On on more of a micro, um, a micro scale, um, where do you ideally like? You know, I was hopping in, hanging out today, and you had like you know, fifteen people hanging out yeah. in there, which is consistent and good. Where would you ideally like to sit if you could like kind of have a peak uh, viewership? Oh man, so viewership is kind of like a dangerous spot because it's very hard to gauge. But my community is already very active and talkative and i love that i i think i'd like to hit probably like maybe 30 or 40 mm-hmm. consistently and that's pretty doable oh, yeah. but yeah i honestly like i like the people that come to my streams they interact very regularly like i can talk with them and hold a conversation i i like being able to do that mm-hmm I would like to, I, I'd like to grow still, obviously, but mm. I would never like to grow to a point where I can't still do that. Yeah. Understandable. Uh, how about you, Kai? What are, what are some dubs you've had since starting Chain of Being? Or any, any particular moments you're fond of? The live show that I did was pretty big. <laughs> the, the sort of, it was the, at the London Podcast Festival doing the, um, live performance with my dad and my, um, sort of family friends and stuff, like just performing a script of Chain of Being on stage to an audience of people and then having merch printed and selling merch was just fucking like mind blowing. And I sometimes forget that I've done that. And then I remember and go, okay, like you do these sort of like, it's like a instant, uh, imposter syndrome kind of dispeller. It's like, I got invited to fucking do a live show. Like, you know, um, what else? I have a Google Doc of every nice thing that has been said about Chain of Being. Um, so I just go through <laughs> that and go like, 
Uh, yeah, people like it. It's nice. Um, a nice feel-good yeah. file. I think those those are the main ones. I think um, finishing a full season was amazing. Um, just producing shit like that. Uh, getting Adol Rafai on as a guest, just like voice actor, was quite amazing because I was such a huge fan of all the stuff he does and then just getting him on was quite funny. Um, but to be honest, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm more excited about what I'm going to do than like what I've done, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm just so... You know, I'm just so excited to keep going. Um, I just need to actually do it. I need to write. Is what I need to do. Um, <laughs> I just need to actually do it. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we've specifically talked about this, but is there an end in sight for Chain of Being? Um, <laughs> barring like yeah. maybe spinoffs, or there? Because obviously, like you, there it is this big world, and I know you love mm. expanding on it. And there's in any sort of custom universe, there's almost infinite things to do. But for mainline yeah. Chain of Being, have you thought of an end? not really because i feel like i can always do another thing and maybe it won't always be following adam so in a way i guess maybe it's ending there when it stops following adam but i've i know what's gonna happen this season i know what's gonna happen the next season and i've had ideas for future ones so there's at least three more on the way and then beyond that if if i suddenly decide you know uh, i want to try something else i've had an idea for a total like left turn but still set in the chain of being universe where like called like and this might be like we refer back to this in like five years or whatever but called um it's gonna be like something along the lines of like chain of being primeval where it's just follow it's like an anthology series of like three different groups of people in like the sort of prehistoric eras of each of the main sort of species in chain of being so it'd be like the viatorian and malgaric and human sort of like cavemen i guess is like the sort of old-fashioned term for it but like just following what they were like back in sort of before all this sci-fi stuff and doing like a, not even fantasy but just like prehistory i found like a really interesting way to do things um but yeah i've got lots of ideas of things i could do um we just i'm gonna keep going until i die or get bored <laughs> well that's awesome that's a good way to do art yeah <laughs> i i think that's yeah. a i think it's been a really good weekend i think it's mm. for us creators it's probably hopefully given us a lot to talk about i know we've we've made a lot of friends this weekend uh yeah with with some of the guests we've had on um shout out to everyone who's been hanging out kyle you've been here every day yeah. helping out uh sock <laughs> i'm so glad you got to join us today it's always a good yeah absolutely we haven't uh gotten to really hang out and chat much so it's been nice to kind of catch up that way um yeah. shout out aaron that's to... right oh i was shout out aaron shout yeah. out greg shout out uh, all the network peeps that popped in to help. Uh, Hannah was here for several. Um, thank you, mm. Jack Ward of uh, Sonic Society and uh, Mutual Audio Network. Uh, Jeff and say Larry. Um, what's up? Did you say Jackie and Amy? Oh, yeah, that? of course, Jackie and Amy. Um, yeah. yeah. I hope Jackie is is feeling better. Um, and um, Amy mm. was here to help me kick things off day one. So um, definitely would have been hard to carry this all completely by myself yeah. with like one of the panelists. I'm glad we had a lot of people hop in and, mm. and give their thoughts. Shout out Rebecca for hopping in as a guest mm. in the, uh, non-podcast Dante. content. Dante. Uh, let's just, let's just go me. through and thank everyone. The list. Fuck yeah. Let's Where, do it. Where's my list. Okay. Starting from the top. <laughs> Kai, Lee, uh, Amy, Jack Ward, Christoph Laputka, uh, Benani, uh, Greg, Aaron, Zan, Jeff Billard, uh, Jack Ward, uh, Dante, 
Hannah, Paul Walsh, Jonathan Evans, Ed Jowett. Shout out Ed. I hope uh, I hope his Kickstarter finished off well today. Um, mm. Finished strong. Uh, another one under his belt. Another one of his hundred and something under his belt. Uh, shout out Sock. Shout out Larry. Shout out Hannah, David Orion, Aline, uh, Rebecca, and. I think and sock. We got everyone. I think I already said sock earlier. There we but. go. <laughs> I'm Tony. Yes, yes. Shout out Tony for fucking Shout out Tony posting for all these things. Whole thing. just putting... Fucking hell, man. Well done. Twelve hour day. I am. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I had a great time. I'm obviously very tired, and I'm gonna be. I, I can't wait to just play Persona yeah. Three all day tomorrow well, and do literally nothing well else. Well earned rest. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I had a great time. I've learned a ton. I think mm. this has been really enriching. I'm glad these are all recorded. They'll all be available on the um, yeah. somewhere, probably Audio Mutual or Sonic Societies. Maybe we'll have them on Fast yeah. Nonsenses. Um, I'll work no, that out I'll with Jack. And um, I look forward to seeing them. Any final words? I always feel like whenever I wrap these up, I sound so threatening. But anything you'd like to say before we head off? Djibouti. Djibouti. Excellent. Kai? Uh, Art is great. Do it. I I thought you were going to say something equally nonsensical like... No. (laughs) Eagles, or like when you misspelled eagles. Oh, that's a whole other can of worm. We're not getting into that. There we go. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not returning to this. Dub Idolo. <laughs> yeah. That's my last words of the day. Yeah. There we go. Thank you all so much for joining, and hopefully we'll have an even Very bigger, much. better MadCon next year. Thank you for listening to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. We invite you to continue the amazing audio tomorrow on Mutual with the Monday Matinee. Our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio dramas. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed every day for the world's largest curated collection of audio drama or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the Matinee and thanks so much for listening.